This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, October 9th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. We should have learned a lot from the get-tough-on-crime approach of the 1990s. As fentanyl remains a problem driving deadly overdoses throughout the United States, that get-tough approach has its allure. Lauren Krizai is deputy director at the Justice Action Network. We spoke about how lawmakers are beginning to rethink get-tough in the age of fentanyl. What can we say with confidence about state moves with respect to sentencing, uh, you know, over the the decade previous to COVID? Well, a lot of states, um, particularly in conservative states, had seen that in the 1990s when they had these tough sentences, they really cracked down on um, all sorts of crime, lengthened sentences and time served, that their prisons were becoming overcrowded. Um, They didn't have space to uh, house all of the influx of of individuals who were required to spend time in prison um, as a result of these tough laws. And states were in crisis. I mean, they had overcrowding. It was very expensive. And um, one of the states that led that effort in taking a different approach was Texas, and they reduced their prison population through some modest reforms, and they really kind of kicked off this criminal justice reform movement that you saw in a number of conservative states in the early 2000s. So it was high cost, unclear benefits to much longer sentences. Um, and even after COVID and the the scourge of fentanyl, had that has, uh, you know, been so problematic in so many states. Uh, some we'll talk about that in a minute, but broadly, states are seem to be continuing this, or it's become the momentum has slowed. Well, it's kind of a mixed bag at the moment. I would say that a number of states uh, have have reformed uh, their criminal justice laws over the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years or so. Um, And they've seen added benefits to public safety as well. Now, what those reforms look like have varied um, widely, depending on the state. Um, But a number of red states that have traditionally been sort of the lock them up and tough on crime um, type of environments have made some reforms when they've realized they're not quite getting the returns that they were hoping for with these tough sentences. Um, And so I would say that You know, not all states have done a huge amount of work on this, but a number have. Um, There are some states that are now proposing some tougher sentences for some of these um, new crimes that we're seeing or quote unquote crimes um, like with fentanyl and the overdose uh, increases that we're seeing. The overdose deaths are on the rise as a result. This seems like at least in, in miniature, a sort of replay of the 1990s, right? Uh, and but it's focused on crimes that are related to fentanyl. Yeah, more or less. I think that um, we've seen a number of states who they're trying the failed <laughs> war on drug tactics once again with fentanyl, um, which I would argue is only a result of the failed war on drug tactics with uh, opioids and uh, prescription pills in the mid-2000s. So what we saw was just an increased number of uh, overdose deaths as a result of uh, using opioid pills. There were crackdowns on the pill mills, quote-unquote, and people started moving to heroin, um, as goes the story with most of the history of the war on drugs. Uh, 
once you move to a new substance and we start cracking down on that, the substance of choice becomes more dangerous. And now we've seen um, sort of the trajectory of opioid pills to heroin to now fentanyl to now it's mostly fentanyl that's on the streets. Um, and it's a totally unreliable supply. Uh, sometimes people are buying pills that they think are something else, but have fentanyl mixed into it and they accidentally overdose and die. Other people are intentionally buying these fentanyl pills and, you know, they're addicted to the substance. Um, but in reaction to these increased overdose deaths, um, a number of states have passed laws that are cracking down on fentanyl in various ways. So what are the lessons that we should have learned from the get tough experience in the 1990s that these states that want to dramatically increase uh, sentences for fentanyl related crimes, um, you know, what are they not, what have they not learned? <laughs> well, there's a number of lessons that they haven't learned. I would say namely that if the goal is to reduce overdose deaths, um, just don't do what we've been doing, which is cracking down and um, increasing penalties and requiring all sorts of people go to prison. Um, we've seen time and time again when we've uh, increased sentences for a particular drug crime that overdose overdose deaths increase. Um, for example, Florida, uh, a, f a few years ago, they passed one of the toughest penalties um, out there for fentanyl-related um, offenses, which is anyone who sells or gives a substance that includes fentanyl to someone who later overdoses and dies can be charged with first degree murder um, and which comes with a life sentence in Florida. What happened after that law was or when that was signed into law was that overdose deaths skyrocketed in Florida. It didn't help at all. In fact, you could argue that it made the problem worse. And so if the goal is to reduce overdose deaths, reduce the prevalence of certain substances in our communities, it's totally unclear <laughs> that that has any measurable positive impact on those tougher penalties. And now as we're seeing overdose deaths increase in Western states who really weren't hit by the overdo or the opioid crisis like the Midwest was and, um, you know, states like West Virginia, they're now experiencing an overdose crisis um, as a result of pills and fentanyl. And they're taking a look at increasing penalties for this substance as well. And, you know, it's just the same lessons uh, are not being learned that should have been learned in the 90s. So what states are, are getting it right broadly? I don't know if there's an example of a state that's really getting it right, but I know that some states have started recognizing that a lot of the that we need to take a look at the root causes of addiction in the first place. And I'm not talking about doing diversion or drug courts. I'm talking about a lot of states are recognizing now that the use of drugs is uh, at its root as a result of mental health issues or um, self-medicating as a result of trauma or some sort of adverse experience that they've, that they've had in their lives. And so some states have started to... Uh, take a look at how can we increase access to mental health services in our communities? How can we increase access to treatment before they get to the criminal justice system, which I would argue is a better approach than the drug court model that we've been seeing in a lot of places. Although that is also a good option. It's better than prison. 
um, but making sure that we can take a preventative uh, approach. There's also a lot of states that have passed, um, I, I would say, Good Samaritan laws. Um, so if someone you're with is experiencing an overdose, if you call 911 and you yourself have drugs on you or say you've shared them with that person, that you will be you won't be prosecuted for that crime because you called 911 to save your uh, friend's life. Um, I think that that's a recognition that at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're preventing these deaths instead of just, you know, throwing the hammer at everyone who's who's using drugs. My colleague Jeff Singer at the Cato Institute has written extensively about uh, things, uh, drug paraphernalia laws, which is to say like testing strips, which is clearly drug paraphernalia. People who are addicted to drugs aren't necessarily irrational and don't necessarily want to place themselves at risk of death, but they are addicted to uh, uh, these chemicals. Um, just allowing them to have like a baseline of information about what they're consuming could be extremely helpful. And a lot of states, uh, it's again, a mixed bag, it seems, of states that are moving ahead with allowing people access, allowing nonprofits to uh, collect uh, needles uh, and distribute clean supplies to people uh, of needles, not the drugs themselves. But it, here again, this is, a, it's a weird thing that where if the goal is to reduce overdose deaths, there are lots of things to do. Yeah. And what's interesting, I mean, we've known about those things, right? Um, it's, it's known what has worked to help people who are suffering from addiction for, for a while now. But what's interesting is that I think lawmakers are, are starting to acknowledge those things and they're starting to pass legislation that increases access to those things. So you mentioned the test strips. Um, Ohio recently passed a big omnibus bill that did all sorts of things, but included in that is legalizing the the test strips, fentanyl test strips. So you won't you will no longer be charged with drug paraphernalia or possession of paraphernalia if you have testing strips. And it's it's an acknowledgement that uh, you know it's better for people to know what's in the drugs that they are consuming than not, and then die honestly. So it's it's a we're starting to move in the right direction in terms of recognizing that this is. Um, sort of, it's going to keep happening no matter what. So we might as well try to include some harm reduction efforts there. But it's still, we're still seeing some states cracking down on the quote unquote dealers, um, you know, those who are selling or sharing drugs with others. Which is itself a bit of a misnomer. Yes. <laughs> right. The, the, the notion that you're the dealer, people have uh, ideas in their heads about what a drug dealer is, but often it's somebody who is a user funding their habit by dealing. Yes. And um, we actually have had a number of uh, really good conversations with lawmakers um, in Arizona in particular. They were uh, attempting to move legislation that would have allowed a similar law to Florida's where a, a dealer could be charged with homicide if they were to sold drugs to somebody who overdosed and died. And the conversations that we had with lawmakers, which were not public, they were just kind of, you know, meeting with lawmakers and talking to them about this. We were able to show them that a lot of people who are quote unquote dealers are users themselves. Um, people, they share drugs with one another. Say um, you buy drugs and you go to a party and you're sharing with everybody and they give you money. It's just like when you bring beer to a party, say, and everybody kind of pitches in for that. Well, if it's drugs, then that makes you the dealer because you're the one who is accepting the money and who bought the drugs, even though um, you're sharing and consuming them as well. And being able to to show them that, you know, 
boyfriends and girlfriends. They might share drugs with one another and say somebody over that person overdoses and dies. That is not the same thing as a predatory drug trafficker um, image that they might have in their head um, if, in terms of someone who's preying on somebody vulner who's vulnerable and intending to kill them. <laughs> um, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I think there is an acknowledgement that that is an issue, but the question is just what to do about it. And that's tougher. That's a tougher question to answer. Um, and we're still seeing that kind of mixed bag because people just don't know what to do um, with this uh, crisis that is impacting so many people. And so many people are dying from fentanyl. It, it seems like a, a, a natural response, a normal response, maybe not a, a rational response, is just in the face of the fear that a lot of constituents have about this, the appropriate political response from lawmakers is anger. And that seems to drive a lot of uh, get tough policies when it comes to crime, even if it's not the best response. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's accurate. Lauren Krizai is deputy director at the Justice Action Network. We spoke in Chicago in August. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. Thank you for listening.